Welcome to Integrated Brain Health. My name is Dr. Robert Coben. I'm a clinical neuropsychologist and am board certified in QEG technology and neuromodulation. This is our Neuroscience Rounds podcast. You will get a glimpse into our training programs where we talk about neuroscience, technology, neurofeedback, neuropsychology, and other related matters. We hope this helps with your knowledge base and ability to intervene and help patients successfully. On to the podcast. Hello, welcome to Neuro Rounds. This is round 23. Uh, this week we are going to continue our discussion of trauma. So last week we went over um, certain brain areas that are affected by different kinds of trauma. Um, this week we're going to go over a study that was done here at Integrate Brain Health, and then I'm going to go over a few case studies um, that kind of highlight uh, what, we, what we've been finding with the different brain regions and also what we found in the studies. Okay, so the two studies that we're going to go over, um, one was done with 19-channel EEG. Um, this one had 50 subjects with abuse history and 16 normal controls. The 50 abuse uh, subjects with abuse histories, 19 had emotional abuse and neglect, 15 had physical or sexual abuse. Study two um, was now a 64 channel EEG, so much more dense, high uh, resolution, had 19 subjects, 12 with a history of abuse, and seven normal controls. So uh, we both did uh, EEGs on all these subjects, um, 10 minutes eyes closed, 10 minutes eyes open, and this is the 19 channel. So here is a 1020 system here. The red indicate the 19 channel areas that were um, used on the scalp. So we he see here the uh, frequency power differences. So red indicates the control su subjects who are the normals. Green are the experimental subjects. So we're looking at power frequencies. Um, all the gray lines indicate uh, statistical significantly different power frequencies. We're gonna focus on a few of these in particular that are relevant for abuse. So FZ, right here, do our little thing right there in front of our brain, um, is over the anterior cingulate cortex. So we talked last week about its roles and its functions related to abuse. So um, this brain region is important for conflict monitoring, fear learning, detection and appraisal of social situation, um, emotional awareness and pain perception. So it kind of um, you know, interprets the social situation and tells you if you should be afraid of anything or not. So what we see, just highlighted here, what we see in the power spectra here is um, different regions. So the control again is red, experimental is green. And you see differences between the two groups with the gray here. So you see differences in delta, which is one to three hertz delta is usually associated with deep, dreamless sleep. Um, here we see the control has more delta than the experimental. Um, theta is four to eight. We don't see any statistical differences here. Uh, we're just saying no theta is related to kind of deep relaxation and meditation. Alpha is nine to 14. We do see differences here. Again, with the experimental having less alpha than the control. Alpha is kind of relaxed, calm. You're awake, but you're just kind of relaxed. Beta 15 to 30 hertz um, is associated with being awake and alert. Um, and we see again, the control has more than the experimental. So we're seeing decreases in the experimental group here. 
Um, F7 and F8 were really important. So we talked about the insula last week. It's tucked away kind of back in the temporal lobes or the inside the frontal lobe on the sides. Um, again, the insula is really important for self-awareness, interpersonal experience, sense of agency, um, social experience. So it, it um, evaluates norm violations, emotional processing, empathy, and social decision-making. Um, and it's usually for um, anxiety-related dysfunctions is dysfunctional anticipatory processing. So you anticipate that things are gonna be bad. So that's what the insula is involved in. Here you see, again, frequency differences between the control and experimental groups. Um, here you see um, excesses in these frequencies on the right side. So remember we talked about before that the left side of the brain is usually associated with depression, whereas the right side is more associated with anxiety. So you see the right insula being more affected um, in, these, um, so in these subjects. Um, the precuneus, so we see here PZ is another region that's really important. We talked about, about the precuneus a lot. Um, it's kind of back center here. It's involved for the episodic memory, uh, self-consciousness, self-awareness, and integration of self with the environment. So kind of relating yourself to the world around you. And again, you see differences in the control and experimental groups with excesses in the experimental group, um, kind of in the theta, and back here in beta as well. So kind of the precuneus is gonna be overactivated. Another um, difference, we see differences in the frequencies of the brain activity. We also see differences in connectivity. So <clears throat> we're looking at how different areas of the brain are connected to each other. And so um, what we see here is the eyes closed condition, eyes open condition. Blue is the average path length between two different regions of the brain. And this figure, the green is long range connectivity. Uh, over here, the green is short range connectivity. And the gold is long-range connectivity with the eyes open. So what we see here, that there are differences in the long-range connectivity between the experimental and the control. So the higher number means that there's less connectivity or it's not as well connected. Here in the eyes open, again, you see differences in the short range here in the green and in the long range, which is the gold. So they're not as well connected regions close to each other or regions that are far away. Um, another important finding is that they didn't see any significant differences between the two um, experimental groups. So we divide them up into abuse and neglect and physical abuse um, groups. There's no significant difference between them, but there is a difference between those who suffered abuse and the controls. Um, the main difference between the two studies we found is that in the 19 channel, we don't have good source localization, really. It's kind of all on the surface and the outside levels. With the 64 channel, which is much more dense, we're able to find regions that um, are deeper into the brain, kind of white uh, matter um, connectivity there. And that's important for localizing specific brain regions. What we use a lot now are um, 32 channels. So it kind of splits the difference between those two. So it's not quite on the surface, but not is a detail of 64, but we still get some pretty good resolution with a 34, a 32. Um, so that's what we found in the studies. So now I'm going to move on to a few case studies of specific individuals who have a history of abuse. So 
Um, first case study here uh, is with a 10-year-old male. His history of developmental trauma. His biological parents and grandparents were both addicted to meth and alcohol. Um, he was in and out of foster care starting at the age of nine months. Um, he was removed from the home three times, which is very traumatic for him to kind of go back to being with his parents and then being uh, pulled out. Um, he did suffer sexual abuse about three to four years old. And at that point, he was taken out um, altogether and then he was eventually adopted at four and a half years. So the data we're gonna be showing is five years after um, he experienced the trauma. Um, the symptoms that he is reported to have are difficulties with attention, um, distraction, getting his thing on task, daydreaming. So we talked last weekend about uh, derealization, depersonalization syndromes, and um, that's related to his daydreaming, and then poor coordination as well. So we did an independent component analysis on this patient. So this is where we're finding regions of the brain that are contributing independently to the EEG um, data that we're getting out. So these are dipoles that are indicated here. This is eyes closed condition and the eyes open condition. So I just want to point out some of these regions that are indicated that are uh, contributing independently to his EEG data. Um, so first we see area six up here and then the frontal lobe, supplementary motor um, area. He did say that he has poor coordination, so that might be related to that dipole. So it's really interesting how the symptoms do tend to map onto the regions that are indicated. Seven here, you see a different a region is right over that precuneus. We've talked about it being really important for um, abuse. Um, there are other ones you can kind of see in the visual processing. So we talked last week about how when you witness domestic violence, how that tends to affect a visual processing. So it didn't say anything about him witnessing domestic violence, but um, that these things tend to roll together. So it's possible that he experienced that when he was in his um, birth home. And in the eyes open condition, we see um, here number five, which is in the cingulate gyrus. We just talked about how the cingulate is really important uh, for abuse. And then again, number six, it's a little bit back here, but it's also part of the uh, motor system, secondary sensory motor. So it's kind of tying in uh, what you see and what you feel uh, with your motor system, uh, which is affected when you experience physical violence. So this shows on the connectivity. The arrows point to the areas of the brain that are having the worst connectivity. So here you see there's regions in the front, again, supplementary motor cortex is not communicating well back to the visual processing areas for the eyes closed. You see a similar thing here with the eyes open, the front regions are not talking well to the back regions. So what we wanna do to help him is I guess we don't want to um, train down the areas that have excesses in these brain frequencies, we also want to help these brain regions and encourage them to communicate better uh, with each other as well. So the protocol, oh, before I get there, the regions that are have, have access and frequencies. Um, this is the S Loretta, so it's localizing areas of access, brain activity, um, compared to age-matched norms. Um, so here is the eyes open. And we see accesses of 30 to 34, which is a beta band break, uh, range. 
um, is in area 18, which is visual processing. Also nice open, we have accesses of six to 10, which is both theta and alpha. Um, also in area 18, visual processing. We see accesses in beta 26 to 30 in the middle frontal gyrus, which plays a role in memory and executive function as well. So we want to train down those accesses and try to get the brain communicating where there's poor connectivity as indicated in the studies. So this was his treatment protocol here. So you'll see a lot of familiar regions. So again, we talked about how F8 was really important. It's over the insula area. Um, important for self-awareness and a personal experience, sense of agency. Um, F2 is kind of over the cingulate area. Again, it's important for appraising social situations and emotional awareness. Um, P6 was indicated kind of in this region that wasn't, um, is contributing independently. It's a heterogeneous area. It's important for spatial attention and planning. And a POZ, so PZ is kind of where the Burkinus is, but also POZ, there was a lot of uh, visual processing. So we kind of want to hit both areas. So these are his regions where the electrodes will be placed for his um, neurofeedback protocol. And then again, we are training down the areas that we have access in. So we're inhibiting six to 10, 20 to 30, 45 to 50 is a muscle range. So that's just kind of general tension um, that we're trying to train down as well. Okay, uh, now for the next case study. Uh, for this case, there's a 35-year-old woman with a history of childhood sexual assault um, at the age of six, domestic violence uh, from the ages of 15 to 26 that included emotional, physical, and verbal abuse. It's also a parental divorce at age 16. Her symptoms are poor memory, un unable to focus, um, inattentive, both working and sustained, Anxiety, exaggerated startle reflex, um, hypervigilant. There's some re-experiencing with some nightmares. Some other symptoms that she's had is uh, spelling and math challenges, navigation, poor hand-eye coordination, and clumsiness. Uh, for her map, again, these are the dipoles that were developed from the independent component, components analysis. Um, each of these dipoles show you parts of the brain that contributed independently to the EEG data. You see for the eyes open, um, there is definitely um, midline in the uh, posterior cingulate gyrus. Um, there's some in the sensory motor strip um, that we would see as expected for those who experience uh, sexual or physical abuse. There's also a lot of visual processing um, areas in the back that are indicated. Eyes open, again, you see a lot of cingulate and uh, occipital activity um, as well. This slide um, shows connectivity. Um, so the arrows point to areas of poor connectivity. And for eyes closed, you see it over the parietal and sensory motor regions and parietal. Um, obviously back in the occipital region as well for visual processing. You see the same thing for eyes open over the sensory motor strip and occipital regions. Next, we see the um, S. loretta is localizing um, accesses of brain activity. So for the eyes closed, you see accesses of alpha, uh, 10 to 14 hertz range, back at area 18, which is visual processing in the occipital lobe. For eyes open, 
you see accesses of theta, four to six hertz range, um, also in Brahman's area 19, which is also a visual processing. You see accesses of alpha 10 to 14 in Brahman's area 7, which is sensory motor, which is visual motor processing. So again, you see the visual processing um, problems that it corresponds to uh, probably some spatial uh, problems uh, that she reported. The next one shows our protocol for her. As you can see, we have F8 is indicated, uh, which corresponds to the insula, as we discussed earlier, uh, is, uh, corresponds with self-awareness, interpersonal experience, and sense of agency. C4 is over the sensory motor strip, which is affected in sexual and physical abuse. PZ over the percunius, plays a big role in uh, trauma and relating yourself to your environment. And O2, um, to correspond to all the visual processing areas that we saw. Okay, for case study three, this is a 48-year-old woman. Um, she has a history of childhood trauma, physical, sexual, and verbal abuse, and abandonment. She experienced a parental divorce at age 12 and has some separation anxiety. Her symptoms were difficulty relaxing, body tension, some somatic uh, symptoms such as chronic diarrhea, Nightmares, trouble sleeping, depression, anxiety, compulsion, specifically counting, and fear of abandonment. She had some neuropsychological testing done um, that showed moderate impairment in reaction time test of attention and concentration and executive functioning, low average of processing speed, executive function, and working memory tests indicating problems with mental flexibility and rapid decision making. And also the Beck anxiety inventory indicated severely elevated levels of anxiety and post-traumatic stress symptoms. Her brain map, as we see here, um, is showing a lot of action over the cingulates, um, also the occipital, ro uh, occipital lobe uh, and parietal regions, her eyes closed, eyes open, you can see the midline as well, uh, some frontal cortex, Again, the cingulate and um, cerebellum as well. For her connectivity, we see regions indicated mostly towards the back in the uh, parietal occipital area. For eyes closed and for eyes open, we see it on the midline that probably corresponds to the cingulate region and also back in the occipital regions. For her, Loretta, again, this is localizing the sources of access uh, specific brain range frequencies. For eyes closed, there's an access of alpha, eight to 10 hertz in the primary somatic sensory cortex, and also an access of beta range 18 to 20, secondary sensory motor. So we see these again with those who have experienced sexual and physical uh, abuse. Eyes open, uh, access of alpha eight to 12 in uh, area 31. Um, which is a singlet gyrus and plays a role in language, emotion, specifically fear conditioning and episodic memory. For her um, protocol, we see a similar uh, pattern here. So we have FT8, which is uh, over the insula, again, uh, plays a role in self-awareness and a personal experience and sense of agency. CP4, which is sensory motor, affected in sexual and physical abuse. Uh, PO8, visual processing. PZ is over the precuneus, which plays the role in episodic memory and self-consciousness. 
Um, also kind of in the regions of CP4 and PO8 um, is the uh, heterogeneous area that's responsible for memory, um, attribution of attention, so knowing what someone else intends to do in a situation, kind of theory of mind, uh, spatial planning and calculation and symbol manipulation. That could be both arithmetic or reading and spelling, just knowing where symbols are in relation to each other. For her, she did a protocol, which is uh, typically 12 sessions, and she came back for another round of testing. And her self-report indicated much improved PTSD symptoms and emotion regulation. Her body was much more relaxed. She had less tension. Her breathing was improved. It wasn't as short and shallow as it was previously. Uh, significantly less nightmares. Uh, she reported faster information processing, fewer triggers for her PTSD symptoms, and even a reduction in her diarrhea and migraines. Um, and then this was reflected in her neuropsychological testing. Um, as you can see here, the blue bar indicates uh, the first EEG and the, and the orange indicates the second EEG. So there were objective um, improvements in reaction time, processing speed, and working memory. We also saw improvements in connectivity. So the radius here um, is indicative of short range connectivity and diameter is long range. And so from uh, previous to post, we saw a 63% um, increase in connectivity. And then for the long range, we saw a 43% increase in connectivity. So a lot of benefits for these uh, for this protocol. So for all three of these, they're very similar uh, protocols. I picked them because they were fairly stereotypical of what you see in developmental trauma. Um, again, the insula, uh, the cingulate, precuneus, all very important. And these um, three cases um, showed that. And uh, the protocols did work for these individuals to help uh, improvements. All right, that's it for the second round of trauma. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to subscribe to the Neuroscience Rounds podcast for future episodes. You might also enjoy our sister podcast, Let's Head On, with myself and Dr. Ann Stevens, where we discuss the interaction between neuroscience, neuropsychology, and physical and mental well-being. Please feel free to reach out to us at integratebrainhealth.com.